Hi, welcome to another episode of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. This is episode five. My name is Mason. This is Haven. Haven's joining us on the intro today as she takes the microphone away for me. <laughs> um, hey, thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first episode, awesome. If this is your fifth episode, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Haven, for, for helping me out with this intro here. Um, we're really excited uh, because we are officially selling soap, right? Can you show them the soap? Yeah. Yeah, can you say soap? Dipping. Say, oh. Can you say soap? Soap. Yeah, we're selling soap. We're really excited about that. You can head to happyraccoon.net slash soap, and uh, you can check it out there. It probably doesn't taste too good there, buddy, but head to happyraccoon.net. We have an awesome little rope here that allows you to hang it up soap. in your shower to let it air dry. Makes your soap last longer, and it's super awesome. This is our lavender, lavender eucalyptus scent. Bye-bye. No, that's not bye-bye yet. We have to say a couple more things. Um, anyways, thank you again so much for tuning in this episode. My good friend Tim Ord is on the episode. He's fantastic. He's a local barber in this area who has some fantastic thoughts. Um, and he shares a little bit about his opinion on how the Christian church handled the Black Lives Matter um, movement over the course of 2020. But thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this episode, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Again, head to happyraccoon.net backslash soap to uh, check out our soap line. Appreciate it so much. Can you say bye-bye? Can you say bye? Tim, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Is it awkward, that transition um, from just like setting everything up and then acting like I'm talking to you for the first time? Mm, no, not really. Okay. I don't yeah, think so. You saw it coming? Okay. Before um, before we get too deep into this podcast, we had to talk about something that you said a minute ago that um, made me a little angry. Um, and that was that Shrek 2 is the best movie of all time. <laughs> um, explain to me why you feel that way about Shrek 2. Because... Shrek 2 is a good movie, don't get me wrong, but the best of all time is a little, a little ridiculous. The reason it's the best of all time is because, well, let me, let me preface it with this. Okay. The, be really careful. The idea of what you would think of like the best movie of all time would be like uh-huh. like a Forrest Gump or something of that caliber where the acting is great, it covers okay. a lot, it's emotional, it's funny. Okay. However, careful. You, you can't get a five-year-old to watch a movie like that. A five-year-old and an eight-year-old could both watch Shrek and both come away feeling positive and having it improve their life. Wow. So you... you That's how I feel. So you're making your movie judgment based off of what a five-year-old and an eight-year-old could come to union in. Yeah, 80 and five is like... There's a huge gap there. And if you could bridge that with two ogres falling in love, I don't... Oh, I'm sorry. You said 80 and 80. 5. I think you said 8 and 5. No, like 8 and 5-year-olds. I oh, guess no, that's they fair. like anything. They'll, like, they'll watch anything. So so let me let me sort of debunk a little bit. I apologize um, if that's picking up on the audio. I think that would be my child upstairs um, rummaging around. But Sounds like crayons. Yeah, sounds like crayons maybe. Um, you know, but uh, that, that's how we roll here. Um but okay, so so let me let me ask you this: What is the best food of all time? Because now, now the uh, reason I'm asking you that 
in critique to what you're saying is that <laughs> is that the say take like a really good steak. Now a really good steak, a lot of people would say is the best of all time. The steak is the Forrest Gump or or you know the the, the Inception or or whatever right. of food. Um, so you're you're saying that. And I, and I would say that a five-year-old, okay, my two-year-old likes steak, but she likes steak as much as she likes McDonald's chicken nuggets. So I don't give her steak because she doesn't value it for what it is. So in the same way, Shrek 2, although it's for a lot of audiences, doesn't necessarily mean that it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the steak isn't Shrek 2. Steak is um, Inception, Forrest Gump. Uh, Shrek 2 would be... So you're saying... Shrek 2 is ice cream. <laughs> Everybody likes ice cream. Everybody has a value for ice cream. It's, it's higher. They put ice cream in trucks and drive it around towns because it's that popular. You don't see that with... I guess you do see it with tacos, but you don't see it with like, many other types of food. Because it's too expensive to have really good steak. You can't, you can't put up in a truck and drive around a neighborhood and sell steak at... $70 a piece. But you don't have to. It's volume. <laughs> okay. So your <laughs> argument is that Shrek 2 is the best movie. Why? Like, what, what, like, what, I mean, I know it appeals to a lot of people. I get that. Um, but what about Shrek 2 in the movie that you actually like? It has to be the the final. It's not the final scene, but like the second or third, like last scene in the movie, where the fairly godmother is singing "I Need a Hero." Okay. And they create the uh, the giant gingerbread man. Okay. That it's <laughs> it's untouched by any scene I've ever seen in a movie. Wow. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> what about? I'm trying to think of a scene parallel. What about when like Jack Jack fights the raccoon? Since this is the Happy Raccoon podcast, that's pretty good too. But it's not. It's not, not anywhere near there. <laughs> okay. So, I, don't, I don't think it could hold a candle. So Shrek 2 is the best movie. <laughs> it is, of all of the work that the great Steven Spielbergs and Quentin Tarantino's have, have done, everything that's been accomplished in film in the last decade or so will never compare to Shrek 2 with, with Mike Myers. Not in terms of uh, the audience it can reach. No. <laughs> okay. Tim, I just want to <laughs> let you know that I love you. <laughs> but this is why I wanted you here. Because you got some real strange takes on things. <laughs> That's what I, I was saying, thinking that on the way here. I was like, it has to only be the, the only reason I'm coming here is because I have like weird opinions. You, you have good opinions on things. Some of them I don't respect. <laughs> I don't respect like what like the Shrek two. I don't respect that. I don't. I don't accept that as a legitimate answer. What do you think is the best movie? See, I have a favorite movie. I don't know yeah. if I could say which one is the best movie. I could tell you right now. It's not Shrek two. <laughs> Ironically, all of the movies I like would not appeal to a five year old. What about an eight year old? No, it wouldn't appeal to either of those. I like. I think it, the best movie I think I've ever seen. As far as just 
it's going to sound a little cliche because it's so recent and whatnot, but as far as just like the impact of it, the acting, how it was done, it was probably The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, my favorite movie is Prisoners with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Never seen it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I think you, you told me to watch it before, I think. Yeah, you can come over soon and watch it. I have it. But that's a really good one. But best movie, I have, I have no clue. I like Django a lot. Django is awesome. <laughs> Django. But you can't show it to a five-year-old or an 80-year-old. Or an 80-year-old. No, it'll trigger both of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll ruin the five-year-old's life. Yeah. Um, Tim, well, you know, we're just going to move past that. Um, thanks for coming on today. Um, Tim's a, um, a really wonderful guy. Um, Tim and I, we met, gosh, almost three years ago on the basketball court, I believe. We were the two baseball players that were there. We were the guys that got picked last. Got picked last. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, it used to be great because there was like 12 people that would show up. Right. And then. There's like 37. Yeah, now there's like 37, and we're like always picked last. Uh, do you feel like that we deserve to be picked last? No. No. I feel like we bring We're great a teammates. Of, yeah, we are great teammates. We're encouraging. Especially if, if a ball hog is the captain, he wants us on the team because mm-hmm. we're not going to ask for the ball. Yeah. We just want to be there. Yeah. I remember, who's the really, really big guy that plays, that's really, really kind of just crushes everyone? Older? No, he's like our age. I don't know. All I remember is Jesse. that. Jesse. Maybe. All I remember is that I went to, to shoot, and he blocked the ball. Yeah, that'd be Jesse, I think. In the most violent way. Um, and then he stared at me into my soul, and Brian Loshbaugh laughed for like 10 minutes. <laughs> And I felt like the smallest person at that point. I think that I felt like the smallest I've ever felt in my life. Cousin Tom convinced me that Jesse tried out, not tried out, he made it to the Suns <laughs> and then got cut. And I believed him because he was that good at basketball. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I could see him playing for the Suns. Are you Tom, are you Tom close? Pretty close? Yeah, pretty close. Your cousins? Yeah. You, you, I've made fun of you for this before. You, you and your family, you guys don't get real creative on names. You're, no, they're very. You have a cousin very white Tom. Names. I know that your uncle's name is Bob. Yeah, there's a, there's of the white names in our family. Mm-hmm. There are like Bill, Bob, Tim, Tom, Mike, Dan, Joe. Like not not really creative. No, <laughs> your your wife is like the most creative one. Her name is just Annalise. Yeah, <laughs> and that's actually that's her technical name is Annalisa. Really, which is German, but Annalise is like how you would say that. Like, that's, like, the Americanized uh-huh. version of her name. So, like, technically, her name isn't even Annalise. It's Annalisa. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's the most unique name in your family. Yeah, by far. It's yeah. not even close. And the rest is Tim, Tom, Bob, Dan. Yeah. What else? Is there a Paul? The, my grandpa's brother's name is Paul. What do you think you'd name your kids if you if you had kids coming uh, soon? What does Elon gonna... Musk name his kids? Something like that. You... <laughs> <laughs> you think Annalise would go for that? No. No, she always has, like, weird names, and I always veto them, like, pre-child. Like, I'm, like, vetoing these, like, weird names. What are like, the weird names? I don't know. They're, I don't, they're, like, they're not weird, like, like, nature names. Like, it's just, like, they're old, I guess. Old names. Not, like. Like Gertrude? I was just going to say Gertrude or, like, Gretchen or something. No, <laughs> not like that, but. Like Nancy? That's my grandma's name. Hey, Grandma, if you're listening to this, No, what's you. the one she likes, like. There's that movie that's like the old lady. 
the age of Adeline. She likes the name Adeline. I'm like, oh, oh that's, bad. that's an old lady. Do you, do you um, do you, no uh, offense to any Adelines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of the dozen people that will listen to this, I'm sure that one of them's name is Adeline. Um, <laughs> um do you uh, what do you think of my daughter's names? Because they're pretty unique too. We, I, I've gotten Haven some some fun comments. Haven and Lennon. I don't. Where does Lennon come from? Lennon um, comes from nowhere. We just like okay, the it's name. It's not John. It means, yeah, no. That was, that was my dad, when <clears throat> we told him that we were naming our baby Lennon, his first response was, well, you know, John Lennon was really against the church. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just how he is. God bless his heart. Love you, Dad, if you're listening. Um, that was my first, not the church thing, but I was, yeah, instantly well, just started thinking of. Yeah, so we, we just liked Lennon a lot. The name, it means lover um, in Irish. Mm. And we just liked it. Um, we liked that, you know, Haven ends in an N, Lennon ends in an N. And I didn't really tell Becca that hers is the only one that doesn't until after they were both born. <laughs> so it's Mason, Haven, and Lennon, and then there's Becca. <laughs> so, but, yeah, and we just kind of, yeah, we just liked the name. Um, both Haven and Lennon's names were picked, like, really, really early on. Um, like, gosh, I, I picked out Haven's name... And we didn't even know that Becca and I were having a girl at that point. So I picked out Haven when we were like like maybe 15 or 16 weeks mm. long. It was like Haven for a boy, and I think it was Walker. Or Haven for a girl, and then Walker for a boy. And then it ended up being Walker. Walker. Walker Bueller. It would be after Walker Bueller of yeah. the Dodgers, yeah. But it's also like that's a that's a tough name. Like, Oh, yeah. No one's going to mess with a Walker. Yeah, well, with my last name, you have to be like really, really careful with the first name. Um, last yeah. name of Cratch. So one of the names we really liked for a girl was Eden, but you can't be Eden Eden Cratch. If you <laughs> say it enough times over and over again, you can't be Eden Cratch. So we ran into a handful of issues like that. But Lennon, Lennon really worked out. Uh, we liked it. Becca picked out Lennon, and uh, we wanted to name her Lennon Jovi. What is we, her middle name? Uh, Josie Carey is her middle name. Oh. Um, we wanted to name her middle name Jovi, but then we we, we can't have a, a kid that's you know, John Lennon and Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's probably too much. So we yeah. keep going with Josie Carey. So, and Carey's my middle name, um, okay. which is named after my grandfather. So we're kind of passing that down. And yeah, so hmm. it's, you know, Josie, Josie Carey. My my middle name is David. So it's, it's an extra. Of course it is. Bo- boring white name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's rough. You should really um, try and name your kid something really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not like. You know, the, the top names of, like, you know, 2000 and whatever. Have you ever seen, um, of course, you, you had to have seen it. If you've seen Shrek 2, uh, you had to have seen this movie. Um, have you seen The Little Giants? No, never. Okay, so that's the reason why you think Shrek 2 is the best movie. But you've never seen <laughs> Little Giants with, like, Bobby so. O'Shea? Remember, and they have, like, the ice Did you box. Bobby Boucher? No, Bobby O'Shea oh. or, or something O'Shea. Okay. And they have, like, the ice box. And it's basically, like, The Little Giants... Um, you know, they, there's, they have, like, the, the local peewee football team, and they try out. And so, no, you know, the weaker know. brother, his older brother is the coach, and so the weaker brother takes all the kids that didn't make the team, and he forms his own team. And anyway, so this, in the movie, and I always laughed, I always thought that, like, I would never name my kid this, but I always thought my older brother, Michael, would name his kid his kid this. But later on in the movie, um, they, they end up, like, needing to recruit a better player. So they hear about this new kid that just moved to town. He's, like, a total, like, tank, right? Yeah. He's supposed to be this really strong kid. And so they show up to this house and say, like, hey, we're here to see your kid. And his dad's all stoked about people being interested in this kid playing football. 
and he goes, he goes, Spike! <laughs> like that. And this, like, kid like, really spiky hair that looks, like, just like Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. Comes out, and he's carrying a refrigerator on his back. What and year so, is this, like, 2002? No, this is, like, 1995. Oh, that makes more sense, because yeah. spiky hair was, like, yeah, it's, it's like, prime. Yeah, it's real old. And, uh, anyways, the name Spike always made me laugh to name my boy Spike. I would never do it, but my brother Michael It's a good dog name. name. Yeah, and it's a really classic dog name for sure. Yeah. But, anyway, Spike, yeah. You should name your kid Spike. <clears throat> Would you ever name your son Spike? Do you think Annalise would go for it? No. No? I wouldn't do it. it even if she did, I, I, that's the one I'd veto. Really? Because it reminds me of a dog. It sounds like a dog name. Yeah. Well, Spike. I have met I've But what am I thinking of? What's the, what's the... What's the... Is there a movie or TV show where the kid's name is Spike? Yeah, Little Giants. <laughs> 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 I think like... I don't know who it is. I'm thinking Home Alone, but nobody's name is Spike in Home Alone. I have no clue. I don't know. Yeah. What, what is like your favorite... I mean, aside from Shrek 2... But it's like your favorite movie when you were a kid. As a kid, I loved Toy Story. You like Toy Story? I would like have the toys. How crazy is it that Toy Story spans from when, when you were I a know. kid all the way into like where Haven, a Toy Story came out like I think shortly before she was born. Yeah, it's Toy weird, Story but Tor- it's gotten that. weird. Oh, yeah. Like they went from like Toy Story being about like toys who were like best friends mm-hmm. to like, like in the new one, like Woody's like romantic with the other toy. It's like he like has feelings for her. It's like. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. bizarre, and I, I can't get yeah. behind it. Yeah, it's a little weird. Disney took over and, you know, has to romanticize everything. Right. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. They just had to romanticize it. Do you ever see Max Keeble's big move? Yeah. 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 I like that one a lot. I like it because of the food fight in the cafeteria. I can't remember the, I think it was like the principal from that movie was like the dad from Even Stevens or something like that. And I, I always got the two mixed up, even though there was like no actual connection. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, you're a funny guy, Tim. So Tim, you're a uh, you're a barber. Yeah. What made you What made you want to What made you want to become a barber? I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know. You don't know? No, I do know, but it's it's like one of those things. It's like I never saw it coming. Sure. So it's like it still surprises me sometimes. Like, like people have like these like dreams of like these jobs they want to do. Mm-hmm. What, was, what just, was your dream job? I wanted to do turf grass management for like a professional baseball field. Like. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because it's so obscure to just want to do turf, right? Um, and so, yeah, like landscaping for like a like a baseball field. I thought that'd be the coolest job ever. Okay. Um, but then like the more I did like research, like the season's only you know a couple months, six months maybe. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times they'll lay you off. Yeah. In the off season, you have to find another job, collect unemployment, whatever. Yeah. And then you have to reapply in the spring. I was like, mm-hmm. that's terrible. And it's not like the money was exceptional either. Yeah. So I just joked that I would cut hair instead because it's essentially the same thing. It's cutting grass, cutting hair. <laughs> so somehow that turned That's into... That's a really good mentality. That somehow turned into me like Googling barber schools near me. And and then I found a barber school and I was like, I guess I'll cut hair. What this, barber school did you go to? This is the barber school of NEPA. It's like this mm-hmm. small little... Uh, it's honestly just like a barber shop that's got like a ton of chairs in it, mm-hmm. and there's just like an instructor or two in there at a time that mm-hmm. would like teach all these people. Wow, it's how in Scranton. Is, okay, how long is the program? You have to do twelve hundred and fifty hours. Wow, which sounds like a lot. It is a lot, I guess. Um, if you do like full time, yeah. it's about like nine months. Mm-hmm. I did part time while I was in college, so it took me like maybe 14 because I would do a couple hours a night instead so of... So you were going to college and you were going to barber school. Yeah. What were you going to college for? Did you graduate college? Yeah, I have a two-year associate's degree in, uh, in business. Okay. 
That kind of goes hand in hand, you know. I, yeah, I feel wanna, like I don't use it that much. Like, yeah. Do you want to start like your own barber shop one day? That'd be the goal, or yeah, I think one day that that would be the ultimate. I mean, honestly, a barber school would be hmm. like the final step. Like that's like the last rung on the ladder. Hmm. But yeah, eventually, I don't know if that's you know ten years, fifteen years out for have my own shop. But that would definitely be something that I I'm like working towards slowly. Yeah. So can you like? When you look at people's haircuts, do you know? Yeah. Okay. So you, you know, like, how they cut it? Like, yeah. Okay. It's terrible. I can't, like, to wait in line, I can't do it because I just see, like, the backs of people's hair. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, looking at it or sitting in the back of church. And I'm just, like, I see, like, a sea of bad haircuts. <laughs> They're not all bad haircuts, but I, yeah. I look at them and I think. You should start handing your business card out. Like, hey, I know. your hair looks awful. <laughs> my name's Tim. <laughs> and uh, here's my card. Yeah. It's it's hard to like not not see it, yeah. Especially if I'm talking to somebody, like I want to be like present in the conversation, yeah, yeah, and not be like, what is going on with his hair? Have you ever, have you honestly, have you ever thought the way about me? My no, because because I I prefer you to cut my hair, yeah. But now like with two kids, my my schedule is so hectic that I'll go to pretty much wherever like I yeah. can. Like it's I I never I, I don't think I've ever been able and since my daughter was born to like schedule a haircut out and like we yeah. hands. it's just kind of like a day of decision like oh yeah i look awful in the mirror i better get a haircut but you never thought that way about me no oh, that's good. not to the best of my knowledge i mean maybe at one point but i don't think so <laughs> i do always think that you look better with just a mustache than than the full beard i know you do becca doesn't think so <laughs> and my parents don't think so and nobody else really thinks so i think i look great i like to have like my beard really short and then just have a mustache yeah but um i like i like what you have going on because you have like just like this and this. I've tried to do that look before. Yeah. But there's just too much hair and it comes in like the next day. It's, and so it only, it only lasts for. It's like the baby version of Clay Thompson's goatee. Yeah. It's like what it is. Okay. I like it though. Is that is that like, <laughs> do you have to shave it like that or is that the only spot you're. It looks like that's no, the only I place shave the, I shave like, like the sides of my face and everything. Okay. What I do is like I grow this out for like a month uh-huh. and then I'll shave it like every day for a month. But it gets boring if I just shave all the time or if I never shave. So yeah, I, okay. I just need to make I it spice up. it up. Yeah. Okay. So so if you can look at people's haircuts and then see like what the barber did, yeah. Tell me what what is your do you have any sort of thought on Donald Trump's hair? As a barber, like how do they how do they create it, that concoction? It's it's pondering to say the least. Like I can't figure it out. Like I sit there okay. and look at it and I'm I don't know. I've thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Because the way it lays, it looks like the, his, the sides of his hair, like along his like temples, are crazy long. This is the only yeah. way they have to like mat it down. Yeah. It, it's so confusing, and it flips weird in the back. Yeah. I don't. I'm thinking he has to have like one of the like world's best barbers come cut it, hmm. because I'm assuming it's really bad, and somehow they make it look reasonable. Yeah. It's not. It's not that reasonable. Yeah, but I've for what seen... he's going for, I think I think they have to, they have a lot of work cut yeah. out for him. Yeah, I saw a, uh, I saw a picture once of like someone edited like what Donald Trump would look like if yeah. he didn't like do uh, spray tans and he didn't like color his hair, and it was it just like looked like this like pale like yeah. looking. I <clears throat> I kind of think that like people who have blonde hair need to really be careful how they do their hair one day because when they get old, like old people with blonde hair, it looks like sickly to me. Yeah, it, it does for sure. Yeah. I actually just saw, 
a TikTok where they made Woody from Toy Story mm-hmm. have like waves. <laughs> I saw that too. I saw that too. Yeah. And like honestly, like he was way cooler. Yeah. Like how you were? Can you cut hair like that with waves? I don't know how to like style in the waves. Like yeah, I could cut anything. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, I could cut anything. Yeah. Um, some of the styles, like, I don't do them enough that I yeah. would, uh, I'd be the right person to go to. Like yesterday, someone sent me a picture of just like this outlandish like haircut. It was just crazy. And mm. they're like, "Could you cut this?" And I was like, "No." Like, <laughs> most people cannot do that. Like, that's well, like, well, what? What did it look like? It was like it had like skulls all over. <laughs> it wasn't like, like shaved into it. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, they're like. A football number, like they didn't want fourteen in the side of their head. Like, it was like skulls. It was like, wow. That's, yeah, that's unique. So, it was. It was just yesterday, even. <laughs> it went, I mean, so we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. If, if that's even what you want to call this anymore, it's just in regular life now. But do you have any funny stories being a barber in a pandemic? I know you said that one time, like a guy walked in and, and he said, "Do I have to wear a mask?" And you said, yeah, and you, and you just walked out. Yeah, and so he just turned around. Some people just walk up to the door and see the sign, and they turn around. Really? I cut, I cut a mask off the first haircut back to work from being shut down for three months. You cut a mask I off? I cut a mask clean off. You just on accident? Yeah. Whoops. I, well, I've got – I obviously, it doesn't happen anymore. But, like, I hadn't had any practice cutting around yeah. a mask before. So, like, getting the, the clippers around, and, like, it just caught and ripped it right off. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get better at that because <laughs> we're going to run out of masks. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think so. Uh, other than, like, when you go to, like, cut someone's, like, bangs, mm-hmm. like, with my hands, I can feel their breath creeping up onto mm-hmm. my hands, which seems backwards for, like, what the mask is supposed to do. Yeah. They're, like, preventing it from going out where I'm not, but they're forcing it to where my yeah. hands are, which seems backwards. Yeah, I think, um, like, masks are good. In a, in, in a sense, but, like, yeah. they're, they're really, really strangely misused. Like, I went out to a restaurant last night, and we were forced to wear a mask from, like, the door to our table. Yeah, and then to the bathroom, too, right? Yeah, but, like, like we were as close to everyone at our table than we were, like, walking around. It just didn't make a ton of sense. Like, the masks mm-hmm. don't really do much um in that regard it's just kind of you know risk reward like if you want right. to you want to live your life go to a restaurant go to a restaurant and you know the masks i just wear it because it, it's not asking too much um right. for me and I'm not like a super you know yeah i'm not an anti-masker mm-hmm. um i think it works uh, especially specific settings mm-hmm. um you're close with people obviously there's a lot of times though where like they want you to wear masks just because it looks good. Yeah. Like to the business, you know, mm-hmm. like situations like I, I have to wear it when I walk to the bathroom, but not at the table. Yeah. But I, I mean, like you said, it's, it, uh, it's not that much to ask. I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Sometimes it's like laughable, like, oh, really? But yeah, I'll put it on. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. The big thing is with glasses. I, I see that a lot. I don't have glasses, oh, but. It's a pain. I recently switched over to glasses, like, most of the time. I used to wear contacts only. So you have a hard time with it all? Like... Yeah, it's a pain. I, I learned to, like, breathe, like, like down downward. Yeah. And so then there's, like, little – I have, like, a little escape hole through my chin, and that's <laughs> where it all goes through. Yeah. It lines up pretty close. I have, like, a butt chin, so my my goes right through the butt chin. Yeah. And then out the mask and uh, into the world. That, that's my – that's my strategy anyway. 
I have like this perfect mask that I wear at work that's got like a strap that goes like behind my head. Mm-hmm. So it takes the pressure off my ears a little bit. Okay. There um, you go. And I've been wearing it like I wash it obviously, but I wear it every day at work. Yeah. Um, but the elastic's about to break. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm panicking because I don't know. Like, I'm going to have to, like, and it was, like, custom made by somebody I know. Mm. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, bother them and ask for another one. Yeah. So I'm going to have to buy one. I, like, I have not found one yet that <laughs> is anywhere near as comfortable as that one. Ah, uh, bummer. Or is, like, effective. I feel like yeah. it's pretty good. Gotcha. Well, you know, it is what it is. I think I think the mask will come to an end shortly. But, yeah. you know, when it, honestly, yeah, it's whatever. I'm just so passive about it because it's, like, it's not asking much. I think that a lot of people don't really know what to do right now in the pandemic. And they're just mm-hmm. kind of like making strides. Like the airport's a really good example of that. Cause if you go to the airport, if you're traveling, like you have to stand six feet apart in line before boarding. But then when you board that same six people, right. you're all like on top of each other, spilling over into the seat, into each other. Trying, trying to get their right. luggage out from above. Right. So like it, it isn't really no one like a lot of things just don't make a lot of sense. Right. That's and a, I think it's just a lot of people just don't know what else to do. Like, you know, the the more that we look to our government to give us the answers, the like the worse off we're gonna be. Like historically, yeah. that's the case. My favorite quote, I couldn't even tell you who quoted it, and it could have been just someone random, but um they said like if you if you truly trust the government to have like your best interest in mind all the time or to know what to do all the time, then look at like the Native American Indian. Right. Because you saw how that sort of turned out for them to sort of trust the government to sort of handle a lot of things and Right. And so it's one of those things like, you know, I obey because I think that's like, you know, my job as a as a citizen and as a Christian is just to obey the authority. But like, you know, I, I don't I certainly don't expect the government to know what to do. Um, like everyone has been thrown through a loop with COVID and like I don't trust Dr. Fauci to know what to do necessarily, even though he's like a doctor. I mean, he's proven himself to be an idiot. But, um, you know, I think it's just kind of like just, you know, let's all just obey together. The masks aren't going to at least like like statistic wise, the masks aren't going to be the thing that lower the cases. Right. It's going to be vaccinations and herd immunity. But like, you know, everyone just needs to behave themselves. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like. I like what you said. I'm I'm a rule follower. I'm gonna do what I'm told, whether I like yeah. it or not. I might complain about it, um, but yeah, I feel like your trust just can't be in like what the government tells you. Yeah, like you have two different sides mm-hmm. telling you two different things. You, that alone, like you can't trust one of those sides a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't yeah. think that's the wisest decision you can make. And to do that, I feel like puts you in a position of just always being uh, afraid of the unknown. Yeah. Because you don't, like, you thought something was true, and, oh, well, now it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it is true. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the more that we take personal responsibility more seriously um, and then just trusting the government to do what their job is mm-hmm. to do, which is, you know, which, in my opinion, should be limited to pretty much, like, law enforcement and and basic like road function right and things like that yeah. but now we're like in in the important things in like education and all of that but now we're entering like a time where like people identify with who they voted for and they treat um these politicians as like kings or dictators yeah uh, like they call donald trump a dictator which is just not true um, but more than that they treated him like a dictator right and that like all of the problems are donald trump's faults and so, and just like that, you know, in the same same group as they trusted Joe Biden, 
to be the person that fixes it all. But that's just not how it works. Right. You know, people put the president of the United States at this really high pedestal. And really, it's about, you know, the House and the Senate and sort of what the bipartisan look at it is. So, you know, it's just the more that people like look to to the government to solve their problems, the, the worse off we're going to be. Yeah. Rather than saying, hey, we're in a pandemic. It's best to take precautions. You know, don't... Uh, you know, sneeze into your arm and, and, you know, wear a mask and behave yourself um, is an instance there. But even like, you know, the the, the government has um, been trying to meddle in social affairs for, for the last like 10 years or so. And I think it's important that they do some things, but like, um, you know, Joe Biden putting together whatever sort of speech that that man is capable of, like he's not going to solve like the racial divide in our country. Right. You know, it's going to be a, as as a culture, like we have to do that, and as as Christians, we have to do what we can to you know to address any sort of racism that we see in our lives. Um, but trusting that like Joe Biden becoming president is going to solve that problem is like such a big mistake, in yeah. my opinion. And so it kind of spreads all over the place. It's like you know, there's obey the rules and everything, but there's also just like look at the government for what it is. It's like an institution that is. Part, partially broken and you know it's just kind of what we have to deal with because we need a government of some kind mm-hmm. not like full libertarian where i want to cancel the whole thing but like you know what i mean i don't know if that makes yeah. any sense but well especially what you were saying like like as christians like like you know stop racism wherever you see it type of stuff and like then like how you said like we view these presidents as like kings or dictators like i think for christians it's really hard because like a lot of Christians, at least the ones I see, like put all of that trust in that president mm-hmm. as that king or that dictator, and like, like they are like they as Christians are helpless mm-hmm. if it's if they view the president as a dictator, mm-hmm. and if if they view the president as the king, well, they don't have to do anything because yeah. they're now they're safe. Yeah, and I think that like for Christians, it's really important like to remember like who the king is right like yeah. actually mm-hmm. um and yeah. what we're what we're supposed to do and not just like put our trust in the presidency and yeah and hope that they make our lives comfortable yeah so yeah it, that's very 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 well said but even to sort of harp on that a little bit more like you know when i was the little bit of time before we were overseas and i was going to grade school you know and i think you probably experienced the same thing but there was the you know, before school would start, you'd, everyone would stand, you put your hand over your heart, and you start do the Pledge of Allegiance. You pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Even as a kid, I felt like, this doesn't feel right. And what doesn't feel right to me about it is that I'm not going to put my hand over my heart and pledge allegiance to a flag. Like, I honor and respect um, what the flag represents. And, like, I love my country. I love that, you know, I feel very privileged to be born in this country. But to pledge allegiance to... A country or a flag, um, rather than like making a point to pledge allegiance to Jesus and his word is like a dangerous sort of line to cross because, you know, at the end of the day, the Bible says really clearly that, you know, every tongue, nation, every person will bow before the Lord. Like whatever country you're affiliated with, whatever color of skin you have, it's not going to matter. Um, at the very end, it's everyone will bow down to the Lord. And so, you know, we more than, I mean, our our only elections have been pretty gnarly, 
Mm. Did you did you vote in? Were you able to vote in twenty sixteen? Yeah. Okay, I know you're a little younger than me, and that was my first election. That was my first election. Okay. I had just no. Yeah, I had just turned eighteen, like the prior November, like days okay. after the election. So it was okay. my first one. Okay. So, um, but like, uh, you know, the Trump and Hillary is kind of where it started. Um, I think this new trend of you're only as good as who you vote for. Right. Um, cancel culture going after now people who who vote for one person over another. I don't know if you really have followed up or followed it all. What I do a to, decent amount. I to, saw they changed Mr. Potato Head to Potato yeah. Head. Yeah. So there are some things that like I think are really important that we we battle as Christians. That one I'm not too sure about. That one just seems sort of silly. Yeah. But I think that the big thing is that the the media is controlling a lot of, and this is going to sound like super, um, you know, <laughs> 45-year-old, like big-time Trump sort of person, but <laughs> you know, the media really does control a lot of what we what we take in. It's all perception. Right. So so for me, like, maybe it's just my circle, but this idea that, that Potato Head needed to be made, or Mr. Potato Head needed to be just Potato Head, um, the whole idea was that, you know, there should be no gender assigned and that you can play with potato head in any sort of way that you want. Um, to me, the media has made it look like more of an outcry than it really is. And so there's a false desire to need to do that. When mm-hmm. I think that probably 95% of public of, of America, like they don't feel like they need like Mr. Potato Head to be just potato head. Like if there needs to right. be an unassigned gender toy, like come out with a new one. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and so I guess um, sort of where I sort of sort of going into a different thing that's maybe a little more critical. Um, and I was actually expecting to go this deep into politics with you, but um, one thing to be more more critical is over this last year, you know, we've seen a lot of stories blown out of proportion by a lot of the common media, and it goes on for both aisles. Mm-hmm. This is not like one political. Um, party is being victimized by this or attacked by this. But what's happening is, and this, this is someone coming from someone who works in marketing, right? So I kind of see a lot of how this all works. But the media is, as, as much as they're focused on, you know, maybe promoting their, their you know, um, you know, the way they want things to go. I don't know what the right word is, but their political party of choice, mm. their agenda, that's the right word. Um, they are promoting, promoting their agenda for sure. But they're also capitalizing on all of this website visitors because they slam all yeah. the websites with ads on it. And so they're monetizing their websites and then driving traffic to it. And you can't drive traffic to a site with mediocre articles. So right. they have to create the most radical articles. And in turn, what it does is it get, gets people falsely fired up yeah. and it gets people angry. So for instance, you know, and, and this is sort of a touchy subject, but... Um, you know, when, when we'll take like the Jacob Blake incident, are you familiar with that instance with, with, uh, with Jacob Blake, police were called, um, this is Georgia. Re- um, I'm not sure what state, but he resisted arrest. Um, Man. and the cops shot him a handful of times in the back. Yes. Yeah. And he ended up being in a wheelchair. Um, so the media only really wanted to highlight the most extreme headlines they could with that story because it gave them the most traction and the mm-hmm. most web visitors and, and when there's more video and things like that, they're they're making like buckets and buckets of cash on it because when you go to a website like that, 
every five seconds you're involved in like a dozen transactions yeah. um, that are happening. And they're small little transactions that add up into huge numbers. So, you know, if there is like, you know, 11 million like hits on a video or an article and they get paid even just like 15 cents per view, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars they're making per article. Right. So we're talking like huge amounts of money that, that these media companies are doing. So they have no reason and there's no law prohibiting them from exasperating the truth a little bit as to what happened. Right. What happened with Jacob Blake, what happened with a lot of incidents is totally tragic and, and don't, don't get me wrong in that, but you know, a lot of them, you need to, and I think it's important as as a culture and as a society that we sort of take them for what they are. Right. So, you know, the taking, like, you know, I, I see what CNN has to say about Jacob Blake. I see what Fox News has to say about Jacob Blake. I see what everyone sort of has to say about Jacob Blake. And I have to make my own mind up as to what happened in that incident. Yeah. And what happened in that incident was extremely tragic. But at the end of the day, you don't resist arrest and you don't go for a knife on the floorboard of your car. And that's what came out in the official police report. And so I'm not reporting anything false there. But so I I guess so where I'm going with all of that is that we're entering a dangerous phase is that we're looking at the, as, at the president um, and at our government leaders as like, you know, the God kings of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, when realistically, we need to start looking a little bit deeper at ourselves and how we how we had, um, you know, how we digest certain like content from the news and make sure that we always really check, you know, what our facts are. And, and you know, some things are extremely important. Like, you know, I, I was, I'm, I've been really, you know, to be frank with you, I've been talking for a long time. I need to give you a chance to talk. But, um, you know, I've, I've been really bummed out to see the church's response to um, Black Lives Matter in particular. So Black Lives Matter to me, it's it's two things. It's a, It's an organization um and it's and it's like a a movement. A, a movement the organization i just can't support right. they make millions and millions of dollars and they funnel that money into politicians that want to pay for abortions and that just goes against my moral um but as a movement like and as christians we have to ask ourselves are we going to get really mad because colin kaepernick kneeled for the national anthem or are we going to look at it as hey our neighbors are 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 hurting and whether we agree that they should be hurting or not our neighbors are hurting and, and it's like we've been called as, you know, Jesus's children to, you know, to to love on those people and to, you know, to open our homes to them. And and our first word shouldn't be no, it's against my political party. Our first mm-hmm. word should be how can we love these people more? Um, and so certainly it's not something that like my church has done, but I've seen I, and it's really not the church. I shouldn't even mention this like the church, but there's a lot of people I know that. You know, it doesn't matter to them that they're a Christian. It matters to them that they support Donald Trump. Right. And that's a dangerous game to play because Donald Trump will die probably in the next 10 years and he's going to heaven or hell and, and it doesn't matter. But God is like in control. And so the more that we put our, our politicians of choice on a pedestal, like the kind of the more dangerous area that we're, we're getting into. So I mean, yeah. like, I just went on a huge rant there, but. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, um, and this goes with the media. Uh, they Con Kaepernick kneels for the flag because of um, police brutality. Mm-hmm. Well, then the media says, you know, white cops kill black men. Mm-hmm. That makes white people uh, so upset because they feel generalized. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting lumped in this group that kills black people. Mm-hmm. And instead of just looking at it and be like, 
oh shoot, you know, uh, whether whether that's a an exaggerated story or not, for anybody to be afraid of law enforcement mm-hmm. is a shame, uh, and I feel for them, and I I understand. I'll do my best to understand it. I respect mm-hmm. I respect what he's doing. It's maybe not what I would have done, um, but yeah, to res- and that's where it comes in, like for Christians, like everything needs to be responding in love, mm-hmm. like to respond in anger because you don't like the way that he's respecting the flag, disrespecting the flag, or the way that the uh, the way the media covers it. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And that's same like what you just said. It's on who you voted for, typically mm-hmm. at least where you stand. Where instead of looking at like you know. Is he disrespecting the flag? What does the media say about this? It should be, how do I respond in a way that Jesus would respond? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's like as simple as it gets, honestly. Like for Christians, yeah. that should be your only response. Right. But it does make it tough um, because you, you, I mean, we do have a say in who the president is. And mm-hmm. there's like a almost like a bonding yeah. with like supporting a president. You almost feel like you have to like, you, you don't only vote for them, but you have to, like, have their back in mm-hmm. argument stuff. Um, and sometimes that comes out, like, it manifests itself in ugly ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a, yeah, really well said. And, yeah, again, the more that we look at our politicians as people who are going to, to solve all of our problems, both as a society and as people, um, like even like now, like they're voting on these stimulus checks and, you know, don't get me wrong. Everyone would love to get their own. Yeah, give me a like, couple of those. Like some people were just relying on the government to take care of it at some point. But when it involves like our social life and, and one thing that's always like just shook me up is, um, and maybe, you know, and this is like no disrespect at all to the men in service women, but like as America, we're like the only country as far as I know that is really, really attached to their flag. Mm. Uh, I understand the flag represents a lot of things um, and there's a lot of history in our flag and the bloodshed um, for what the flag represents. But, um, you know, one thing that I think was kind of well said through all of the the riots and things like that is that like, hey, we we tried to speak up when we knelt during the national anthem Um and so that was their sort of justification mm-hmm. for the riots. And that's not really a good a good reason to, to destroy an entire city. But um, that there is a certain reality like that, you know, again, like, you know, we can maybe not like the way that it's being done, but uncomfortability or being uncomfortable with something um, is a good way to have progress. Because when you're yeah. when you're comfortable and you're comfortable just being at the football game, everyone's standing, doing everything at, on a ritual, and that gets interrupted. It makes you uncomfortable. It's more than likely because something needs to change. And so you can you can be mad at Colin Kaepernick for making you uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, as Christians, are we supposed to be mad because he disrespected a very, very worldly thing? No, because, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, we're called to, to love no matter, you know, what, his his reasoning or his belief and no matter how misplaced it is i mean mm-hmm. there's certainly a a history of um of incidents that happened with white police officers and, and african americans and and some of it you know um some of it is is you know more than fair to be upset at some of it it's like hey you know we have a pattern of these incidences and the one thing they all have in common 
is that they're fighting and resisting arrest. And that's something that we also need to address. But I think, I guess where I'm going with it entirely is that the media is, is really controlling a lot of what people see and they're only willing to digest the very first article that they see. So the George Floyd thing, really, really tragic, um, heartbreaking. I couldn't watch the whole video. I mean, you want to cry. It was awful. It made me really upset for a really long time. I'm still upset about it. Um, but just be, and, and the, the one thing is that he did resist arrest and that doesn't necessarily give him a death sentence. Um, and it, and it shouldn't give him a death sentence. Um, but people's like first reactions of, of, um, of making it, you know, white people or, or, or like white, all white cops are bad. Um, you know, is, is sort of a, a bad take on it because, you know, again, we have to sort of look at the incident and, and as, you know, the the outcry and the people that were upset are really justified. I guess where I'm what I'm trying to say is that I was really upset at a lot of Christians' response to those people being upset. Um, yeah. Because when people are down, um, you know, I think of, um, gosh, I should know um, the the I don't know the name of the road, but there's you know the Bible story of the man who had been robbed and beaten, and so many people you know, passed by him and then the good Samaritan, you know, took him into his home and took care of him. Um, I think that's a really good look at sort of how is Christians we need to, to handle that. And so, you know, when we see people that are, that are down and whether we feel like it's true or not, that doesn't matter. Our calling Mm -hmm. is to, is to, you know, bring those people into our homes and love on them. And, and so it's all to say, it's, it's sort of a dangerous, um, you know, we're in a dangerous time where people are starting to identify more with their political party than, than like what the Bible clearly tells us how we should behave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And with that, uh, I feel like where people, where they align, um, at Christians I'm talking about, uh, whether something is fact or not, it doesn't mean you get to respond differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should always be in love. Like there's, there's no, um, there's no exception mm-hmm. for responding with love. Like you wouldn't say like, like if your daughter would come up to you, and you like you think something else happened, like that she. I don't know, let's say she disobeyed her mom or something like that. You're not going to respond like in a non-loving way. Like even if you discipline her, it's still loving. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what actually happened. It doesn't change how you respond. Like it should always be loving. It should never be disrespectful yeah. or like with like what you were talking about, George Floyd. I actually talked to someone. This was before the video came out mm-hmm. of him resisting arrest. Talked to somebody. So it just, it makes you sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, talk about it, watching it, any of it. And he goes, well, what do you mean? He's like, he had counterfeit money. And I was like, yeah, yeah I I mean, yeah, so you should, I guess that's fair to be arrested. He's like, well, no, like he had counterfeit money. Like, what did he expect to happen? I was like, I'm sure <laughs> like anybody could have counterfeit money, but, but he came off the exact opposite. He was reflecting mm-hmm. in a different way than everybody else was. And a lot of that, in talking to him, was based on his political views. Yeah. And it's 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 really sad to see that. Um, 
it's just to have the exact opposite view just because it's a different party. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's whether you're a Christian or not. I mean, that shouldn't be true. Yeah. That's at least something that I have. I thought about actually that conversation a lot mm-hmm. because it's yeah so polar opposite just for the sake of being polar opposite. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody would actually come to that conclusion by themselves because right. it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. So... When all of this was kind of going down um, and, you know, the George Floyd incident happened, you know, there was riots on the streets. I remember there was like a, a blackout Tuesday, um, something like that, where everyone posted just a black square on their Instagram. Um, and, you know, everyone, it almost felt like if you didn't make a statement on social media, you were a part of the problem. Silence is violence. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Um, I didn't like that idea, uh, you know. Um, to identify or, or to, to make your only action, basically to put something on your social media is, is sort of silly to me. It's all yeah. just sort of fake and, and there's so many fake stuff on social media as it is. But I guess my question to you um, is as, you know, as a Christian, as a husband, um, as a barber, everything that you are as a person, what do you think your responsibility is as far as how, how you proactively as much as you can um, make a difference for people that feel like they are our victim of racism. Yeah, I, th- I do think about this and I don't always know if I have an exact answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I don't, I have friends and stuff. I know that, that feel victimized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm super close with those people mm-hmm. more so like, you know, the the town that we live in, uh, the, I feel like there's a lot more of the other side, people who can come off very racist, mm-hmm. whether they mean to or they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, at least in my job, I feel like it's important that in the conversations, I I, I cut that off quick. Like, if they say something rough, like... Um, Last week I had some somebody just say something just really insensitive, hmm. um, and, I, and I guess this is some of that, you know, silence is violence. I didn't want to just sit there and stand there and say nothing. I was like, well, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's right. Like I think that's very wrong, um, and so it might not be, maybe my best way that I could mm-hmm. I could help. But even just trying to help people, and maybe it comes off the wrong way. I don't know, yeah. but to help people see like talking like that is not okay. Like right. Because if you're talking that, that way, that means you think that way, and that's even like that's much worse. Mm-hmm. So, just in conversations, just yeah, remind it's, people like that's it's a not... tough. It's a tough thing. Um, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't necessarily believe that the uh, the participating in Blackout Tuesday is going to answer a lot of problems. No. Um, for me, I asked myself a lot, like for a long time since all that transpired, is like okay. I want to respond in the most Christ-like way. I want to respond in a way that will make a difference, but glorify the Lord ultimately. And ultimately what I found for me that makes the most sense is that a lot of this um, is, is sort of through our, our society. I think a lot of it is going to age out over the next handful of years. To give you, 
you know, an example, my great grandfather was extremely racist. Um, and, you know, I think he was from South Carolina originally. He fought in World War II. He was in, um, he was in Pearl Harbor. He was at Pearl Harbor when he was bombed by Japan. Um, I don't remember him too much, but I hear stories from my dad and from, from family members that he was extremely racist towards Japanese people hmm. because of his time in the war, almost like a, a PTSD version of yeah. racism. Um, but I think that for a lot of people, um, butting heads throughout culture um, has sort of created a PTSD of version of racism. And so I guess what I have to say is I think eventually it'll start to age out. Um, and so for me, I've asked myself, what is something that I can do that will benefit the future? And I have this amazing and enormous and challenging responsibility in that I have two daughters to raise. And so that is sort of what I've committed myself to is that I'm going to raise my daughters in a way that they know not only the history of our country and all the dark spots, um, but they know that the United States of America, um, although it has been a great nation and has benefited a lot of people and, and it helped a lot of people overseas, like a lot of other things, it's imperfect and it has flaws. But ultimately, I'm going to raise them that as Christian women that, you know, when someone is, is down, um, we don't keep kicking and, and that we are to, to love one another and uplift our neighbors. And, you know, when Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, he meant, and I don't know the direct translation, but, you know, the intention was that love your community and love your your fellow Americans, your fellow citizens, your fellow, you know, earthlings <laughs> as as yourself. Um, and there's no if and buts about that passage. He's very direct. Um, and he's love them as you love yourself and as I have loved you. And that doesn't mean that love your neighbors as yourself and as I have loved you, unless they're a Democrat or unless they're a different skin color or unless they're a Republican or unless they're, you know, a liberal. There's no exceptions. Right. So you, you, you've said it a really, you've said it really, really well. Um, responding in love is, is a really great way to put it. Um, and, you know, I appreciate you sort of touching on this subject with me. It's a tough one. And I don't think I really had the chance to talk to someone except for my wife about it so in depth. But, you know, there is a responsibility as Christians that we have to respond in a certain way mm. um, to it. And I think that um, it's a really good first step just to, you know, look at the way that I lead my wife and the way that I raise my daughters. And you guys, I'm sure, are going to have kids one day, um, you and your wife. And whether you lead her, I just think, like, if there was one thing I could tell you to do is take that same step and like, at least like the trail I leave behind is to, to raise people of God that are going to, you know, handle things a certain way. Well, I feel like it all starts in the home. Like, mm -hmm. and that's super important. Like it doesn't start with putting something on your Instagram story or uh, things do benefit from who you vote for, mm -hmm. but like you don't, you don't get just as, just assume because somebody's in office they're going to change racism. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff, like, you have to build that up in the home. That means, like, when I'm a father, I will raise my kids to both be a um, respectful police officer and be respectful when you're getting pulled over by a police officer. Mm -hmm. Like, things like that, I mean, it's it's very important. 
whatever whatever side you're on, whether whether you're the cop or the one getting pulled over, you need to respond in love and rest and and peace, knowing that uh, God's in control. You can rest in that. Like yeah. you can have peace and that God is in control. You don't have to be worried. All you have to do is is love everybody. Yeah, yeah. So how did how did um how did you come to know know Jesus? I know you you're sort of born and raised in the Montrose area or the the greater Northeast Pennsylvania area. Are you just kind of were you sort of brought up as a Christian? Do you have you know sort of a time in your life? I'd love for you to sort of you know I um you know I, as I mentioned to you before we were recording, I have a couple episodes in at this point. We have um, you know this will come out I think in two weeks. Um, but I've gotten a handful of, of criticism for not really having a theme of the podcast. I don't necessarily think it needs a theme, but, um, the raccoon is the theme, the raccoon, the raccoon is the theme. Um, sorry, you asked me before and we'll get to your testimony in a second. You asked me before, like why the, the raccoon is one of my favorite animals. Um, and I love the raccoon for its versatility. Um, I love that, you know, they're, they, their willingness to dumpster dive for food if they're hungry, they're scrappy. I think they're rather adorable, and I think that um, I think my daughter, to me, has she really embodies the spirit of the raccoon, in that she's scrappy, she's rowdy, she likes to play in the trash, and <laughs> and she and so I was coming up with names for the podcast, and one of them that I almost was the Let's Be Pals podcast because the whole premise was to have a lot of people on the podcast mm-hmm. and become deeper, have deeper friendships and have really intimate conversations with them and I got really tired of it I really wanted to have like some sort of mascot in the name of it and so to me like like raccoons are known as like really really like sort of aggressive um, animals when confronted or afraid so I wanted a different like premise that I wanted a happy raccoon (laughs) and because Haven's a little happy raccoon to me and so anyways yeah um, that picture specifically that you're looking at, yeah, I got on Facebook Marketplace for five dollars, <laughs> which I keep meaning to message the lady that sold it to me. She's really really nice. I keep meaning to message her and say, "Hey, check out the podcast," because <laughs> that's why you I get got to see it. your picture of the raccoon that I bought. Off yeah, you. it's an original artwork. I mean, there's a little signature at the bottom there. It's supposed to be an original artwork from from some artist. I mean, it's it's not like spectacular <laughs> any means, but yeah, I love it regardless. You know, so. But anyways, uh, I'm sorry. We kind of went on a tangent there. So, yeah, I would love if you could just give me, like, you know, a 15-minute segment of just how you've come to today, how you've come to know the Lord, um, you know, any challenges along the way, and just kind of, you know, let me take a break from talking. I've been talking so much. <laughs> I don't know if I got 15 minutes worth of it, but I I can tell sure. you. Um, my parents uh, were already born and green Christians by the time I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, they grew up in it. My grandparents were, uh, so I came in, my two older siblings, my parents, and we just w- went to church. It was just what you do. Uh, wasn't just like, you just go to church, you come home and you act different. It was, it was applied in the home. It was very, it was taken seriously. Mm. Uh, did that for, you know, you, years as a child I mean as a child like nothing nothing about it seemed uh interesting just because it was it was like second nature that's all I knew yeah I get that like you eat food when food is given to you 
like Sundays you go to church. That's all it was. Um, and honestly, I, I felt that way really for the most of my entire life, like even through high school, like high school and even like middle school is when it became like my own thing. It wasn't just because like my parents wanted me to mm-hmm. or, or not. They did want me to, but it wasn't like yeah, just something we did as a family. It was like something I made personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, I was homeschooled growing up. Hmm. So that I think played a lot into it. Hmm. Uh, and I had plenty of friends that went to school that hmm. weren't weren't Christian, so I didn't feel like I was ever like really in a bubble. Hmm. But the the further removed I got from I guess what was my Christian bubble is more so when I saw like the the other side. Hmm. Nothing enticed me about the other side at all. Like I had already like my my faith was my faith. Mm-hmm. I meant I meant every word of my my prayer of salvation. Uh, but yeah, I I guess that's like high school is really start where I started like realizing just the impact that that I could have mm. because of how fortunate I was to be raised the way I was. Um, and then taking it, I like I take it very seriously. It's not, like I said, it's not something I just go to church and act different mm-hmm. the rest of the week. Um, even if I'm not the best at it, and I don't think I'm supposed to be the best at it, I'm just supposed to do my the best that I can do. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I, I really started to like get to know God, I feel like, was through a lot more of that like, when it's something you see all the time, yeah. it's just normal. When you start to see some opposition to it, mm-hmm. I feel like you, you think harder. Yeah. Um, you pray harder. Um, I wouldn't say that I've had many obstacles. I mean, there's times where, you know. Yeah, everyone struggles. Yeah. You, you're praying for something, you don't get it, and it's like. It's frustrating. It's like this seems like it'd be such a good thing for me. Why? Why wouldn't you just give it to me? Hmm. And I, I think sometimes, at least I do. I get caught up in like the treat God as if he's, you know, the genie from Aladdin. You know, you shake yeah. the lamp. You know, and as long as it's not a bad thing to ask for, you should get it. Hmm. Um, but no, I wouldn't say I've had any many obstacles. Just. Under, understanding that it's it's all in what he has planned, hmm. not what I think he should have planned. Yeah. But that's that's where I've where I've grown, continue to grow. Yeah, where I've come from. Good. Yeah. How did um How did you meet your wife? Um, I the first time I met her was at youth group at church. Um, I had known who she was. I don't know how. It's a small town. I knew who she was. Um, that was the first time I met her. We were like 14 and 15 maybe. Oh, wow. You're really thought. I think I met in college. That's interesting. No, we dated the back end of high school. Okay. We started dating my senior year. She was a junior. All right. Um, but it was funny. Like, we were we were like, we're close friends. I didn't know if we were like in a, 
and like a group chat even together. Like we were, <laughs> we were like ran in like the same like friend group and our youth group. Yeah. Uh, but we were like close. Hmm. But I don't, I don't really even know what it was. One time we were just talking, hanging out, and I looked at her, and it was weird because we both had. We were both dating other people at the time. And I looked at her and I was like, for some reason, I'm going to marry this woman. Wow. Which is weird, but I pretty much set my mind, like, not that I had any control over what she what she thought of me, but I was like, I'm going to do anything in my, in my power. Wow. Like, to make sure that how, she likes me. How much, <laughs> and this is a really important question. Yeah. Okay. This is a really important question. I want you to answer this honestly. How soon after? So, so you, so you're dating a girl, right? And you, you, you're talking to Annalise, and you realize that you have feelings for Annalise, okay? And and you set your mind to that one day you're going to marry her. How soon after that did you break up with the girl you were dating before? Five to ten days. <laughs> okay, that's not too bad. No, it wasn't like six months where you were just kind of like killing no, time was, with this. It was well. <laughs> I had like had like little interest in her, I guess, for a little bit. Okay. And so from the time that I had started like building interest, probably like like three or four months. Okay. But it was like, you know, a fairly. Do I know who this other girl is? Would I know who that is? I don't think so. Okay. Um, You're not gonna name drop on here. No, so I'm not gonna name drop. Don't, don't name drop. Uh, but as soon as I realized that, like, I actually saw like a way more realistic future. Uh huh. I was like, well, now it's just a matter of. Of would getting it, out of this and <laughs> as fast as possible, and then, oh, but no. like I said, she was still dating somebody too, so it was like it was a wild card, right? But who I mean, okay, do I know who who she was dating? No, I wish I knew these people. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Okay, so did to the best of your knowledge, did she feel that same way at that time? Not at all. Not at all. Not okay. at all. Not even close. Okay, so. So tell me the timeline then. So five to ten days later, you break up with this girl. And then how much longer after that before Annalise broke up with, with her, her boyfriend at the time? Like five or six months. Okay. So you, you waited out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. But instantly, as soon as I had broken up with my current girlfriend, mm-hmm. I went and got a job where, where Annalise worked. <laughs> so you started you started. I did. Drinking. I went and like. And where put, was that? Uh, at a fruit stand. Right, right. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. So you started working at a fruit stand yeah. with Annalise afterwards. Yeah, instantly, like like that same week. Wow. I was like, I have to be around this woman, and I need to make her laugh so that her eyes are closed more often, and then she'll think I'm better looking. At it. <laughs> <laughs> the more I can make her laugh, the more her eyes are squinted. Wow. Okay, so five or six months later, tell me – the moment you found out that she broke up with her boyfriend. I'm really just sort of pandering the fact that you guys were in high school so because it makes it more funny to me. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go with the flow. But so John Hughes could make a high school movie out of us. Yeah, okay. So she so she breaks up with her boyfriend about six months later. Um, how soon after that do you make your move? Hours. Hours. <laughs> and I don't think that was good. I Like, so instantly like she had like texted me because we were hanging out that night with another friend of ours okay uh she texted me that night it was like i I, like we broke up or whatever and then like i don't know i was like well now that you don't have anything going on tomorrow night i could teach you how to drive my car because it's standard she had she hadn't driven it before 
I was like, give me something to do or something like that. I don't remember exactly how that transpired, but yeah, it was like, it wasn't like right after she said that, but it was hours within that. Wow. That I was like, we should well, hang that, out tomorrow. That was like pretty casual. Like if you, if you said like, well, now you have nothing to do tomorrow night. I guess right. that's pretty, pretty well done for being like a senior in high school. Yeah. By no yeah. means was I smooth though. Right. Okay. So you weren't that smooth. At that no, point. no, no, no. You're, you're pretty smooth now. Like I get no. the sense that you 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 could you I mean you're married now but like you do pretty well for yourself as far as smooth goes. I don't think so. Okay, because to me that was a pretty decent line. Like, hey, since you're trying to do anything tomorrow night, I can teach you how to drive my stick shift. That's like, <laughs> that's not bad. It's I don't not really know. Bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, the only time I ever um I'm I'm really bad at driving a stick, but I took Becca out on a well, date. Well, so was Annalise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I took Becca on a date. Our first date was in. Uh, Volkswagen bus um, that a friend of mine had and it was a stick shift and I stalled like four times. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, she laughed me the entire time. We just drove around a parking lot and it was just like just lunging and, and stalling and lunge and stall. And she got the hang of it for a little bit and then we went out on the hard road. I don't know, we didn't go very far. Uh, and then like she didn't shift it but like she just like stepped on the gas and like the RPMs were just going higher and higher and higher. I was like, oh my gosh, don't blow up my engine. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, we, she drove like one other time and then was like, I'm, I don't ever want to drive that again. <laughs> so if she, were to, if she were to get in a standard vehicle for an emergency, she would not get more than five feet. It doesn't matter <laughs> the extent of the emergency. She's not going anywhere. Wow. That's, <laughs> I don't think Becca could drive a stick either. I don't think she ever has. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I don't know if I'd get in a car with Becca driving stick. I guess I would because she, yeah, she wouldn't go anywhere. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, not even really dangerous if they yeah. can't drive a stick, but yeah. Wow, so how soon after that first date before you guys started like? So dating? actually, it was funny. So as soon as she, the the fruit stand job was really just seasonal. So it's over right. like in August. So as soon as that was over, she didn't have a job. And I was working at Subway. So I was doing both jobs. I was working like, like 11, 12 hours a day so I could work half the day with her and the other half of my actual job. Um, I mean, I say half a day, like high school hours. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, so then we worked together at Subway. Oh, so she jumped. So she I, jumped I told her, I was like, you don't have a job. I was like, you come, come work with me over here. So she did. She came work there. <laughs> So we were subways and fruit stands. Yeah. So we were working together and eventually I just, I don't know. I casually asked, she wanted to go Christmas shopping and it was like, oh, I forgot something. We had to go Christmas shopping again, like get a couple more things. And then she had to go get something. So we ended up like going Christmas shopping a handful of times that, that December. Uh, and it just transitioned and just, we, we just went out. Like it was never like. You ever had like a start date where you asked her like be your girlfriend? It just sort of naturally kind of happened. Are no, you are I, you hiding something from me because you're too embarrassed? No, I actually I didn't want to do that because I thought it was like cringy. I thought I, I kind of think so too. But she was like, she, I don't remember exactly what was said, but she wanted me to. She wanted me to ask her to be her girls are like that. Yeah, and I was like, we've been going out for a month. Yeah, like I don't know. So I did ask her, but it was like it. I felt. I feel like it was a cringy thing, but yeah, if that's what she wanted, we know it's it's a small price to ask to yeah, to um, 
for lack of a better term, get her off the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love hearing other people's stories like that. Yeah. It just cracks me up. It makes me feel like my story is not interesting, but it actually kind of is. So. Well, you, um, your first date was like Disneyland or something. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, Becca lived here, and I lived in California, and I spent an inappropriate amount of money to impress her. Like, I flew her out here. I took her to nice dinners. I took her to Disneyland. Not only did I take her to Disneyland, which is expensive in itself, I bought, like, the wrong kind of tickets. So I bought two different oh. sets of Disneyland tickets. I spent, like, $650 on Disneyland tickets because I bought, like, the wrong days. So I had to buy them twice. So Becca just thought, like, oh, tickets didn't work out. I guess we'll just leave. No, I bought them again <laughs> so that we could go to Disneyland that day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it was the same thing. It was just, like, whatever I got to do to get this girl off the market, yeah. that's going to be my – that's going to be, like, my thing. So When we got engaged – um, I proposed, we went to New York city at Christmas time. Okay. Uh, yeah. And there, we were, I want to go ice skating. That wasn't like, I didn't propose on the ice rink or anything, but it was, it was at, uh, Bryant park, not the Rockefeller center. Okay. But they had like pre-ordered tickets that you could buy. So you didn't have to wait in line for, for hours. Cause it, and it said, I read a review somewhere that was like, we waited like three hours to get in there. And I was like, we're not going to be there like all day. Like, yeah, I want to make sure. So I ended up spending, I spent like $300 to reserve tickets to go wow. ice skating. And we got there and it was like a rainy day and nobody was there. Uh, nobody. We walked right in. I was like, do I need to, do I need these? And they're like, oh no, that's only if there's a wait. Like it's free. Or, I don't know if it was free, but it was like 20 bucks a person or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, I got absolutely robbed just on the off chance. Like, yeah. That's that so there was funny. a line, but. So you proposed there? Yeah, I proposed in New York City. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's not, not a bad proposal. Yeah, well, it was like not recreating, but it was like, it felt like like Elf when he first, go, like Buddy. <laughs> yeah. When he first goes to uh, to New York City, like from the North Pole. Yeah. That's like what the day felt like. We're just like hopping around all the Christmas attractions. Nice. That's fun. You guys like Christmas? Yeah. That's good. How, I, how's married life going for you guys now? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying it? Yeah, we're busy. Yeah. Not crazy busy. I mean, she's right. crazy busy. She's teaching. Right. Um, So she's busy all the time, but I'm not. When I put my clippers down at the end of the day, I'm done. Like, I have no yeah. work. Play some more zone. <laughs> yeah, she's, she works a lot, so. Yeah. But no, it's great. Okay. Good. I know a lot of people, like, and I, I sort of get it to a point, but, like, one of the things that we were, you know, surprised by is when we got married like man marriage is like really hard and it's really challenging and like for us like it's been not a breeze like life has been hard since we've been married like we just have like like things just keep happening mm-hmm. in a way but marriage has been like really great for us like i just love being married yeah everyone always says like oh the first year is so hard like if you yeah. can make it past the first year you'll be fine and i get six months into it i'm like oh geez does this mean the last six months are gonna be <laughs> yeah <laughs> I the first I was... six months are so easy so right. and they have it continue to be yeah. Pretty easy. Yeah. I was, see, I was told the first year or the second year was really hard. Okay. First year, you're kind of just like in the, what they call the honeymoon phase. And then the second year is where it gets hard. But, you know, we've been married two years and it's been, you know, we're on year three and it's just kind of been yeah. like, for the most part, you know, we focus so much just on like the kids and giving them just like the most love and stability. And then, you know, we give a lot of time to each other as well. But like, you know, it's been, it's been good for us. We love it. 
So, so I think anyway, unless she's lying to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and even like people like ask me, they'll be like, "How's marriage going?" I'll be like, "Oh, it's going good." And this will be like someone who's you know, like a cousin of mine who's who's older and maybe hasn't had great experiences with marriage or yeah. something. And I'm like, it's easy. And like, just wait. And I'm like, well, that's not encouraging. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm like, why would you even say that? Yeah, for sure. Even if it, you know, if you go through times where it's hardware, I'm sure you will. Like, that's still not like an encouraging thing to say. You right. just wait. Yeah, you just wait until what? <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I guess I just wanted to give you an opportunity here to plug anything you want to plug um, as far as your social media or your your barber business. Um, yeah, I do have some people that listen to this thing that are around this area. Um, I referred to, do you ever cut like um, Becca's cousin Greg's hair? Big dude, beard, Greg Garnett. I just cut his hair last week. Okay. I just met him for the first time. I referred you. Yeah. yeah. He told me about it. Yeah, a bunch of people referred him, but I was one of them that referred him. But okay. anyways, but um, yeah, feel free to just share a little bit about who you are, um, plug what you want to plug at all. And if not, then just say we're out and we'll call it. So I don't have a lot to plug. Um, I have an Instagram and a Facebook, uh, that is Tim's original trims and what it's labeled as. Um, and that's just like my, my personal, like self branded, um, account for, I write update people on, uh, you know, am I going to close this day? Am I going to stay later this day? Sure. Here's here's some of the haircuts I've been doing. Uh, here's some products I'm selling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Facebook and Instagram, I'm on there. Tim's cool. Original Trims. Um, yeah, all right. So if you're in the, you know, upstate New York, north uh, east Pennsylvania area, looking for a high-quality barber, uh, Tim's Original Trims, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Tim um, Tim Ord is my good friend. I really appreciate you, you being on here. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I really appreciated getting to know you over the last few years. It's really hard because I feel like when I moved here, I made a lot of friends that are like in the Montrose area. And it was it was easy because I had like basketball Mondays, church church on Sundays, and then we had the kids. And I'm like, okay, we can't keep making this like like these drives are crazy. And uh, anyways, but um, regardless, I'm just happy to still you know be so close to you and and talk to you all the time. And yeah, appreciate being on. And uh, you know, hope you had fun. Likewise. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. Okay. The show, the podcast. Yeah. The, the podcast, the podcast show, the happy raccoon. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks a bunch. We're out.